Come on, Harry, bring us home. Final stretch here, buddy. It's just, it's all you. It's all you on this one. You got this shit. I believe in you. So the final chapter is called Dobby's Reward. Remember Dobby, that weirdly masochistic slave elf guy? Well, he's back, apparently. I can't fucking wait for that. So the opening paragraph is fucking weird as hell. It's describing how everyone is all dirty and shitty, right? It's like, they're all covered in muck and slime, and then parentheses, in Harry's case, blood. Right, so it's like a weirdly heavy-handed way of saying, hey, just so we're clear, everyone got a little dirty... But Harry is the one making the real sacrifices here. And then it's also like, hey, remember this book is about blood. It's about heritage. It's about genetic determinism. It's about fascism. It's a war between the light and the dark, and we know whose side we're on. And, you know, all got muck and slime, but only Harry got blood. And so then, of course, it's also like, you know, because of Jesus, remember that guy? His followers may have been persecuted, but he made the ultimate sacrifice by being crucified. Which was a, you know, standard Roman punishment, really. I always thought, like, if the Bible wanted to really hit their point home on this, they should have punished Jesus by, like, scaphism. I mean, like, if you want to talk about the ultimate sacrifice, man, Plutarch had some shit to say about that. I mean, don't get me wrong, crucifixion is brutal. I'm just saying, there are some fucking terrible ways to die out there. Bible. Get your shit together, Bible. And, sorry, that was weird. And so they come out, and everyone is there, like Ron's parents and fucking Mumblecore and the Professor Cat Lady. And so everyone is like, what the fuck happened? And Harry's like, okay, I'm just going to quickly recount every major plot point of this book. And then Professor Cat Lady is like, but how did you make it out alive? And Harry, you know, real code of the streets kind of guy. He doesn't want to snitch on Ginny being stupidly love-struck by a book. He's like, yo, the only snitches around here are in that dumb game that sucks and makes no sense. And Mumblecore is like, what I don't understand is how Voldemort managed to escape the jungles of Albania and come back to the school. What? And it's like, I don't know, maybe because he's a fucking wizard? I feel like every question could be answered with because they're fucking wizards and none of this makes any sense. But the implication, I guess, is that Mumblecore could sense... Harry's code of the streets shit and changes the subject to cover for him and Jenny. And so Mumblecore explains how Voldemort used to be called Tom Riddle and he left Hogwarts and he started hanging with the wrong crowd, started getting super into the dark arts, listening to fucking Joe Rogan and shit. And so then Jenny comes clean and she says they would write to each other in their diary and her parents are seriously like, what did I tell you about flirting with evil wizards? And then Mumblecore is like, okay, well, I have to try to figure out a way to segue this to the other major characters. So Ginny, why don't you go see the school nurse who is coincidentally bringing Bossy Girl and others back to health as we speak? And everyone's like, oh yeah, Bossy Girl, that's cool that she's okay. Glad we could squeeze that one in in the final act here. And so then they're all like, this calls for a feast. And Mumblecore is like, but first I have to deal with Harry and Ron. 
And there's, like, supposed to be some sort of tension here. Like, this dude who is so clearly designed to be a lovable grandpa might just break character and be a complete dick for no reason whatsoever. Like, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. And so he stands up and he tucks his beard in and he's like, Remember when I told you that if you broke any more school rules, you'd be expelled? And Harry and Ron, and literally no reader ever, is like, oh fuck, we're doomed. And then he's just like, well, that just goes to show you, I have to eat my words sometimes. Womp womp. And also you're getting a special reward for knowing when to break the rules. And then Mumblecore does his weird Clive Anderson shtick. Where he's like, 200 points apiece to Gryffindor. Seriously, even the fucking QI people are like, we have no idea how this point system works. By the way, are we just going to ignore the fact that Mumblecore is just back and in charge? Like, he was ousted and that was never resolved, and now he's just back assigning points to motherfuckers with no explanation whatsoever. And then Mumblecore is like, remember, I'm the guy that has to kind of wrap everything up, so what about this Sue Grafton motherfucker over here? And Harry's like, oh, I forgot about that dude. Like, did Harry forget about him, or did the narrator? And Sue Grafton is like, I forgot everything, and I am an idiot. And Mumblecore is like, very well. And then Sue Grafton goes to the hospital. So then it's just Harry and Mumblecore, and Harry's like, Voldemort says that I'm like him? And Mumblecore is like, well, what do you think? And Harry's like, I think I'm supposed to represent the choice against evil that powerful people are supposed to make under a neoliberal framework that reduces all moral content to a matter of individual choice, thus obscuring the structural and social issues that give rise to and undergird the power to be in a position to make this choice in the first place. And Mumblecore is like, excellent. And then Mumblecore explains how Harry can speak Snake because Voldemort gave him some of his powers the night that he got that sick lightning bolt scar or something. And Harry's like, he put a part of himself inside me? And Mumblecore is like, well, I mean, I wouldn't really put it that way, but yeah. And then, of course, Harry is just like, totally not getting it because he's still operating under this framework of predestination. So he's like, I'm supposed to be an evil Slytherin? And Mumble's like, no, dude, you were put in Gryffindor for a goddamn reason. And then he gets actually super heavy-handed and is like, it's our choices that determine who we are, not our abilities. Like, oh, come off it, old man. This whole fucking narrative is about Harry because of his abilities. And now that the author is, like, starting to understand how much she's been pigeonholed by that shit, she's gonna have some old fuddy-duddy come in and pretend like this whole goddamn book isn't predicated on worshipping at the altar of those born into power and destined for greatness. That was the whole goddamn point of the first book. Harry was a natural. He had magical abilities. He was born into greatness. He defeated Voldemort as a fucking baby. And now it's like, none of that shit matters. Bullshit, it doesn't matter. If it didn't matter, the main character would be a fucking kid who doesn't have any natural abilities. It'd just be like a shitty kid who sucks at everything, but he makes good choices and becomes great. That is not this book. This is like, this is like when rich people tell you that money doesn't buy happiness. You know, you're like, oh, okay, fucker. I'll, I'll tell that to my landlord. Mumblecore fucking sucks, man. He's like Joe Biden. He's like one of those lurching centrists who everyone loves for some reason, even though he's completely full of shit and doesn't actually give two shits about improving anyone's lives. And then, as if to underscore how completely full of shit he is, he's like, take a look at the sword you pull out of that hat, Harry. Only a Gryffindor could pull a sword out of a hat like that. And Harry looks at the sword and it says, only a Gryffindor can pull me out of a hat. But pulling the sword out wasn't a fucking choice. And the whole point of the sorting hat is that it looks into your soul and tells you what's inside. It's not some existence precedes essence shit. 
this book is like trying to make a hard pivot into existentialism, but it's like, no, you don't get to do that. You set up a very non-existential worldview. You don't get to retcon existentialism into this shit. And so luscious Dracula man comes barging in, and he has Dobby the slave elf in his arms, and Dobby is wrapped in bandages. And so now we finally get the explanation that very conveniently the board of fucking bureaucratic wizards decided to put Mumblecore back in charge that day. And it turns out that Luscious Dracula Man had been threatening their families, and so he asks whether they caught the killer, and they're like, yeah, we have. He was using this book to work his dark magic shit. And while that's going on, Dobby is pointing to the book, and then pointing at Luscious Dracula Man, and then hitting himself in the head. Which is basically Slave Elf for Luscious Dracula Man is behind Ginny getting the book in a, frankly, ludicrously complicated plot to screw over the Weasley family. And as a house elf, I have to punish myself for disclosing that information. And then Harry's like, you know how she got the book? You know how Ginny got the book, fucker? Uh, you gave it to her. And Luscious Dracula Man is like, prove it. Which is a hilariously cliche thing for guilty people to say. Like, that is some Scooby-Doo level dialogue. Yeah, prove it, copper. You ain't got nothing on me. And then Luscious Dracula Man gets pissed. He's like, let's go, Dobby. And then he kicks Dobby through the doors like a field goal. And I think this is supposed to be played for laughs. But it just straight up isn't funny. Like the class dynamic and the physical abuse. What the fuck is funny about this? This is literally, like, you, they talk about, like, punching down in comedy, which, like, whatever. But, like, this is literally punching down. There is nothing interesting or redemptive here. And then it's like, they could hear Dobby squealing in pain down the corridor. And then Harry got to thinking about that diary. So, like, even if the purpose of the abuse is to show that luscious Dracula Man is a bad dude, the fact that Harry and Mumblecore aren't just completely horrified about it is itself disconcerting. And I know Harry is going to, like, come up with a plan to help Dobby and all that shit, but it's handled in the weirdest, most academic way, like, hmm, maybe I should just sit here and try to figure out a clever ruse. This is not a world with a whole lot of empathy for anyone except for the so-called important people. Moaning Myrtle's pain is played for laughs, Dobby's pain is played for laughs, Dudley's obesity is mercilessly mocked. It's very revealing. That if you're in the in-crowd, you know, you're a student or a teacher at Hogwarts or you subscribe to middle-class values like the Weasleys, then there's like this level of respect afforded to you by the narrative. Even the sort of bad people in the ambit of the system are treated as like respected whole people. But if you're not in that class, if you're a misfit in some way or you're not viewed as in the same caste as these like bourgeois yuppies, then the narrative doesn't even bother empathizing with you. You're just a clown to be made fun of, or a plot point, or some heavy-handed teachable moment for a real character. This is shitty for a kid's book. This is not a worldview that I would want to be normalizing for my kids. So then Harry decides to put one of his socks inside the diary, and then run after Luscious Dracula Man and give it to him. And Luscious Dracula Man opens it and immediately throws the sock, and is like, You're disgusting, Harry. And, but Dobby catches the sock and is like, I'm free, Harry freed me. And if you recall, which I didn't, the way you free these fuckers is to pass them clothes, which seems dumb, but whatever. And then they push Luscious Dracula Man down the stairs. Like, that's what happens. He catches a sock, and then he's free, and then they push the guy down the stairs. So, I guess in fairness to Harry, he does help Dobby out here. 
you know, I got to walk back the rant a little bit, but like there's freeing the slave elves and then there's asking why the slave elves aren't already free. You know, it's the whole, when I feed the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why they're poor, they call me a communist. This book is very concerned with being a saint and not with understanding the structural issues. It's very concerned with Harry looking like a saint and not with the way that the system impedes on Dobby's self-determination. This book doesn't give a shit about Dobby. It's only using Dobby as a marker of goodness that Harry can achieve. And then Harry's like, oh, remember when you said, he's talking to Dobby now, remember when you said it didn't have anything to do with he who shall not be named? Well, that turned out to be a giant lie, you little fucker. And Dobby's like, nope, got you on a technicality. When he was Tom Riddled, he was able to be named. It was a clue. Motherfucker, that ain't a clue. That is the exact opposite of a clue. It is designed to confuse and lead you further from the truth. Fucking learn what a clue is. So Harry goes to the feast, and you gotta have a feast, you know. And there's some bullshit about how everyone is doing great. And for some reason, Hagrid's there. Like, did I miss that he got out of Whizpriz? Or did the book just not bother to explain that? I honestly don't remember. This is what happens when I stop doing this shit for like six months. I just forget major plot points. Or, or, the book has unresolved issues. I don't know. And then the book is like, and all of Harry's friends were happy and all of his enemies were sulky and miserable. And then everyone is on the train ride home, you know, they're all going back, and Harry's like, are there any more plot holes to try to quickly patch over here at the very end? Oh, Ginny, what did you see Percy doing that he didn't want anyone to know about? And Ginny's like, he has a girlfriend, and her name is Penelope Clearwater, and she's a Ravenclaw. And Harry's like, all right, whatever. This, so this thing that I'm writing to you, Ron and, and Bossy Girl... Uh, it's called a phone number. Get to know it. And then Harry went home to deal with his own abusive and neglectful home environment for the summer. And that's the book. So shouts out to this book for being even worse than the last one. 